Uh, we have the great privilege of having Pastor Kevin with us in the back. And we also have the great privilege of hearing his testimony in terms of how these principles are being lived out, in his case, in the city of Chicago. Pastor Kevin has spent three decades living and serving the city of Chicago, five years mentoring discipling young men at Inner City Impact. He was a founding member of Lighthouse Christian Fellowship, where he pastored for 18 years. Um, through that time, he also founded Pursue Scholars who, uh, that holistically invest in emerging urban leaders in pursuit of higher education. He still serves in an advisory role with Pursue Scholars and also helps people to flourish in life as a licensed professional counselor. He received his bachelor's from Cedarville University, master's in Christian formation from Wheaton College, master's in counseling psychology from North Park University. He enjoys reading, travel, playing golf, watching college football, and spending time with his wife and adult children. Uh, if I could also add, I want to thank um, Shiggy and Amy for the introduction to Pastor Kevin. Although Pastor Kevin kept referring to as David, I think, and I was utterly confused, and it took me like 20 minutes to figure out they are the same person. Um, and I really believe after meeting with him uh, at Portillo's for launch, he has an amazing testimony to share uh, and to inspire us as to how to live out these things in our personal life, in our family life, uh, and as Pastor Keller mentioned, uh, in the life of our church as an alternate city as believers together. Let's please welcome Pastor Kevin to the pulpit. Thank you so much for that introduction. It is a pleasure to be here with you today. I am always thankful for the opportunity to gather with the saints of God, brothers and sisters in Christ, wherever they are gathered. And so it's a joy to be here with you today. It, re it really is. Um, I'm encouraged that wherever God takes me, that I find that he is at work. And so I'm here to bear witness that God is at work even in the city of Chicago. I know that the news might tell you otherwise, but God is alive and well in the city of Chicago. And so hopefully you get a, a glimpse of that just through my personal testimony today. Um, I appreciate Pastor Keller and uh, the things he has to share. I've long admired his work and his teaching and um, appreciate his love also for cities and the influence that they have. And um, as we speak of cities, I know in Illinois it's easy to think of Chicago as the city. But uh, I looked up just the other day to figure out where Naperville fit in terms of size in cities in the state of Illinois. And you all probably know this, but I did not know this. Um, but Nap Naperville is a close third to Aurora, a uh, neighboring community here. So Aurora, Naperville area is the largest urban center outside of Chicago in the state of Illinois, um, which speaks to that influence that this community has, not only to your neighbors here, but the surrounding area as well. One of the verses that Pastor Keller shared was Romans 12, 1 and 2, and I've long loved this verse and uh, the message that it gives, um, where it says uh, in the NIV, I urge you, or the, the ESV says, I appeal to you, brothers, and I would add sisters, in view of God's mercy, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy, acceptable unto God. This is your reasonable act of worship. And, and to not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And pa Pastor Keller points to that, that, that renewing of your mind is not just an individual, but a collective renewing of the mind that causes an alternative model 
for the culture around to see. And so hopefully as I share a bit of my life with you today, it plays out one example of how that plays out, and hopefully pieces of that story will resonate with different individuals in the room of how that might play out in your life, in your sphere of influence. If you'd bow your heads, I'd like to pray before we dive in. Father God, we thank you, God, for your grace through the ages. God, thank you that we have the opportunity to be recipients of your grace and to stand in this world as sons and daughters of the King. We're thankful for that, God. God, I pray that the words of my mouth, that the meditation of my heart would be acceptable to you, first and foremost, my God, my rock, my redeemer. God, I pray that in the course of these few minutes together today, that you would be glorified, God, that the enemy would be horrified, that the saints of God here would be encouraged, empowered, comforted, even convicted, God, to live out the gospel, to be witnesses to the gospel where you have them. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As I share my story today, and I, I'm going to put a timer on um, to make sure that I'm conscious of time. Um, as I share my story today, uh, I begin uh, just with a little bit of context. So I was born in Michigan, Western Michigan, Grand Rapids area, but moved uh, before starting school to the great state of Ohio. And so I grew up in Ohio, um, which makes me a Buckeye fan. And that, that may frustrate some of you already. Um, I'm not like a lot of them. Uh, I'll say that. Uh, my, my parents became Christians very uh, early on in my childhood, and so I had the privilege of growing up in the church and allowing um, a community of faith to form me and play a lot into the person that I am today, and, and I do consider that a great privilege that not everyone ha has experienced. Uh, in that, I first professed faith in Jesus at uh, the age of five or six, and um, in, as a part of that journey, also was baptized at the age of 12 and remember very vividly the personal decision that that was for me at that point in time in my faith journey. I also had the privilege of growing up much of my childhood going to Christian schools and, and allowing not that just to form my formal education, but also to form my spiritual education. And in that process... Uh, of growing up in the church and being in a, a, a family of faith and growing up in Christian school, I never completely rejected the faith. Some people who grow up in that, like, step away from the faith, and by God's grace, he's always kept me, and uh, I've never completely wandered uh, outside uh, of that, although there are times where I've definitely strayed from that path. It was in my junior year of high school that I made a very conscious decision, still remember many things around that situation to this day, of not only that I wanted to be uh, saved by Jesus, but also that I wanted to be a follower of Jesus with every area of my life. And um, in that decision, I, uh, as a 17-year-old young man, remember thinking that whatever you want me to do, God, I'm willing to do. 
But I also remember thinking very clearly and very vividly, and even telling other people at that time period, I know there's two things that that would never be. I'll never be a missionary to another country, and I'll never be a pastor. And part of the reason that I remember saying that is not because I was unwilling, but I looked at myself, and I knew who I was, and I knew my personality as a quiet young man, and and all of those things, and knew my fear of ever standing in front of a crowd of people and talking with a microphone, and, and I realized that although I would be willing, that would not be for me because I'm not capable of that. And so uh, that was a part of my journey. After high school, I prepared to go to college, and uh, a couple of weeks before I went to college, I was at a youth conference out in Colorado. And at that conference, I remember one of the speakers in particular very vividly speaking to us as young people about uh, what God might be calling us to with, with your lives. And, and he said, some of you are getting ready to end high school and go to college. And where I may have been drifting and listening to what was being said, that piqued my interest because that was the stage in life I was in. And, and he started to say, like, there are many different ways that God can use you and things that you can pursue that God can use you. And he named different professions and he named different ways that God might use you. And as someone who's getting ready to go to college but still not sure what I wanted to study at that point in time, uh, I was listening to the, the things that he was listing. And one of the things that this speaker listed was some of you God might be calling just to come alongside young men like my son. His son was doing some of this kind of work. And so he started to tell about the work that his son was doing. And he, and he said, to come alongside young men who maybe don't have male figures in their life or don't have role models in their life and just spend time with them and help lead them of what it would mean to be a man and to follow God. And as I listened to that, God began to perk this interest in my heart and, and start to stir something that I, that I didn't know what that would lead to at the time. But I said, I think I could do that. Well, um, that was a critical point for me, a critical realization, but there wasn't much that I did with that at that point in time. I just uh, a few weeks later went off to college, and uh, I still had that voice in the back of my head, like, what would that look like, or what would that mean, or what would I even study if I was going to do something like that? And uh, over the course of time, I just began to explore that, and as opportunities came in front of me, I began to take them. And so an opportunity to go serve at the de detention home in the area of where I went to college and speak with young men there and opportunity to work at a camp and, and things of that nature. And I, I would just volunteer and just try and learn what was going on. And eventually that led me during college, during a summer during college, to come and spend a, a, a summer in Chicago. And during that summer, uh, working with an organization called Inner City Impact, God began to show me, like, this could be a place for you and I can use you here. And I began to see how just a normal, average, everyday person like me could be involved with, with real people in a very formal but also informal way and have impact on people for the gospel. Be a witness to the gospel that would transform my life, but just as you go and as I was living life. And so uh, to, to keep the story as short as possible, I turned 50 this, this year, and so I have to get through 50 years pretty quickly here. Um, uh, I ended up, after college, moving to Chicago and working with that same organization in 1997. Um, also, in that same year of 1997, which is a significant part of my journey, I also married my wife uh, of 26 years. And so I praise God for that. Um, we've had the privilege of raising 
three children uh, who are, are, my youngest is now an adult as well. Um, and we've been somewhat successful in that venture, although the verdict is still out on some of that as well. So um, that's what brings me to Chicago. I, I, I'm in Chicago living in a, a neighborhood uh, called Hummel Park at the time, working with an organization called Inner City Impact, doing a lot of activities, um, leading sports leagues, camping trips, Bible clubs, teaching Bible study, primarily to young men. And begin to see, through that experience, that bearing fruit that God could use just an ordinary person like me. And in, in the process of those five years that I spent there, God began to expand my vision of how an ordinary person could be used as a witness to the gospel. And although I love my work at ICI and love the time that I spent working there and love the work that I was doing, God began to call me to more uh, through that work. And so that led to me getting involved with a small community of us in, in starting a church. Um, and so as I gathered for lunch with Brother Dave, I was encouraged just to hear how like, God had birthed a vision like that in him and others and those people being brought together. And now... I'm standing here with what, what's been formed from that. And I, and I was privileged to be a part of a similar journey in that way. In, the, in that um, journey of, of starting a church, uh, part of what drew me to the church, uh, I, I love the nonprofits I've worked in, I love the other types of work that I've done, but part of what draws me to the church, it's the one institution in society that is womb to tomb, that, that, that comes and starts with people from very infancy and, and also stands by their graveside at the end of life. And that's the beautiful thing about the church. The only other institution that's like that, and I, I would say that they have similar components, is family. Where family is also womb to tomb. And so that's part of what, what draws my affection for the local church, my love for the local church, is the way that it comes and it intersects with like all aspects of life and all seasons of life. Um, it's in this season of life um, starting in 2002 and the years to follow, um, that God also uh, allowed me to meet Shiggy and Amy. Um, and their children who were young at the time, or actually one of them was in the womb at the time, so even prior to her birth. And uh, God graced me the opportunity to, to know them for quite a number of years and, and for them to be in my home and to me to be in their home and to live out community, to live out the gospel um, and, and to do that together. And so that's part of what brings me here today, is, is that being a part of a local church. Uh, in that time, there were many amazing things that we saw God do uh, in this small community that God was building uh, on the west side of Chicago. Um, and we got the privilege of seeing people come to the gospel, people who uh, had been a part of church and had gone away from church and were coming back to church, people who were experiencing and hearing the gospel for the first time. But as in many stories, it wasn't all good. And even in, not just like in families, not always are things all good. Even in churches, things are not always all good. And so part of the story of, of our church was uh, one of the many tragedies in our church was uh, several years into the life of the church, about five years into the life of the church, um, one of the young men who was in involved in the church from the very beginning, had been baptized in the church, I was involved in discipling and investing in his life, 
he did something that was not only sinful, but it was criminal. And uh, spending time in my home and, and being with, uh, uh, spending the night uh, with my family, he did something criminal, which I'm not going to go into detail, because um, I want to be sensitive to, to the experiences of people in the crowd. But he criminally put his hand on my eight-year-old daughter in a way that was sexual criminal assault. And obviously there's a lot that goes with that. Part of the reason I share that as a part of my story is because not only can we relate to triumph in life, we can also relate to pain in life. Pain is one of the things in, in our stories. It's actually universal. Not all pain is the same, but we've all experienced pain. And so this season of life and in our church was obviously um, for me and my wife and my daughter specifically, but also for the entire church as a whole, quite traumatic, quite difficult season, as you can only imagine, as you faced your own tragedies or pain in life. But I realized uh, very quickly as we were going through the season and going to counseling and trying to discern uh, what our future was and, and what might be happening and where we might, would we stay at the church or go someplace else, that there was a choice that I had in that season of life. I could be angry with God or I could cling to him. And, and quite honestly, there's a little bit of both that's being considered in that season. Because there's certainly reason to feel angry. But by God's grace, God kept me, he kept my wife, and he allowed us to cling to him in that season. It's part of the reason I'm able to stand here and share this story with you today. But it was hard. I questioned my role as a father. I questioned my role as a husband. I questioned my role as a pastor. I questioned a lot of things. But also God, in clinging to him, met me and met us as a family in that season and one of the most specific ways that he met me and what, what he taught me was that I was not loved by him because of what I did. Because I was doing a lot of things for God. But he taught me that I was loved by him simply because I was his child. Sometimes we get confused in the church or get, get mixed up. We think that we have to be doing things for God or I haven't shared the gospel enough or I haven't been a witness enough. We think that God doesn't love us or approve of us. But God taught me in that season, and it's held me ever since then, that it was not what we do for God that causes us to be loved, but that he loves us because we're his children. The other thing that became real important for me to realize, and this kind of formed over time, although the seeds of it were planted in that season in my life, was that God has a way of taking pain and redeeming it. Not only redeeming it, things that are bad, things that are evil, things that might be your mistakes, things that might be the mistakes of others, but redeeming it and often making it useful as a tool to help others. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul's speaking to the Corinthians and he says, Blessed be the God of all comforts, who comforts us in all of our trials, so that we can be a comfort to others in their trials. The passage goes on, but what I found in that passage and what I have found to be true is that when God comes and meets you in your suffering, in the, your despair, in the lowest hours of your life, 
not only can he be enough to bring you through, but also that God can use that someday to be a tool of encouragement to someone else. And over and over again, I've found that in the midst of like the evil that happened to my family, the evil that I would never choose, that God has redeemed that and used that to cause comfort and to bring healing to others in their pain. How sin in this broken world has hurt others as well. That season, I would describe that for myself as a wilderness season of life. Felt like a season of wandering, not knowing where I was going, not, know, not knowing what life would look like after that. Thinking things were going so well and wondering if it would ever be the same. But in God's grace and in his mercy, he burst something new in that season, which is Pursue Scholars, which also was mentioned in my bio. And Pursue Scholars, to me, as an organization that, that God gave me the, the vision for and founding, is to me the beauty out of ashes, as Isaiah 61 talks about. It's like in the depth of despair, God raises something up. And, and Pursue Scholars like flowed out of things that I was already passionate about, of raising up leaders and discipling leaders in the urban context, and seeing communities transformed through, specifically through the development of leaders who would lead in the transformation. And so, uh, in your own life, as you face difficulty, as you face challenge, realize that even that isn't the end of your story. That God can take it and begin to multiply things even following what might be a difficult season or a season in the wilderness. The other thing that I realize now looking back is the importance of when you're hurting, not closing your eyes to how God might still use you when you're in pain. What I've found is that often when we're going through something else that's very difficult, one of the ways that God meets us and heals us is giving us an opportunity to offer grace to someone else. And in doing that, that becomes a part of our own healing in the process. And that seems almost impossible when you're in the midst of it. But seeing that and being aware and, and, and seeing, seeing the possibility of that. There's been many other ups and downs in, in my story in, in terms of church and Pursue Scholars, the organization that I was able to found, and, and things of that nature. Um, I'm, I'll mention one more, and then I want to wrap this up for sake of time. The other... Uh, probably darkest tragedy uh, in my time, uh, in, 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 in my life, outside of what happened with my daughter and outside of the divorce of the, my parents and how that impacted my story, was when one of the um, gentlemen that I knew, who I, my wife and I had known for 20 years, a young man that we met uh, in Humboldt Park in the first year that we moved to Chicago when he was 11 years old, and 20 years later, he was a grown man who was working and living and living his life and doing those things um, that he would do. Um, a, a young man that, that I'd seen come to faith uh, a couple years after I'd known him and watched him like grow up and grow up in the church and begin to follow God. But this gentleman uh, in his early 30s did the unimaginable. Someone that was so close to that my family had traveled different states with him. He'd lived in our home for periods of time uh, as he was going through different things. But he committed the most heinous of crimes. 
And without going into the details, if, if, if I said too much, you'd quickly figure out because you'd probably remember this happening. But he murdered four people in a hospital. A personal friend of mine. And when that happened again, it was another season where I could have chose to be angry with God or cling to him. And as I see this rolling over the news and I go to his mother's house and see his family the night that that happened and realizing that a person that I'm very close to is now the the most hated person in society for the evil that he had done. I was reminded again the importance of being obedient. Where you are, whatever God brings to you, And so I, I share that as well, really just as a, one of the few snapshots of the journey that God has had me on over the last 50 years of my life. And to remind you that being a witness for the gospel doesn't take a life free of pain, doesn't take having to do, be able to be an extraordinary person, it just takes being faithful where God has you and trusting him even when life gets hard. In the present, uh, God has me still working with Pursuit Scholars. I'm no longer the executive director. I pass that on, but I'm advisor there uh, to the organization to work with them some. And that now I'm, by God's grace, working as a licensed professional counselor, offering comfort and guidance to people who are troubled or discouraged or brokenhearted. Part of the reason I even tell you where I'm at now is to, to realize that like, life can have seasons too and what, what, how God was using you in one may be different in the present. So if I were to summarize the, some of the themes that I see in my life that I think are relevant to what Pastor Keller is talking about, about being a witness to the gospel, what that might look like, the first one that I would say is this, that, that ordinary people can do extraordinary things if infused by the gospel. The cross of Jesus is being proclaimed. Uh, I've long said this phrase uh, to myself and and to others that, that I'm just a nobody who's trying to tell everybody about somebody who can change anybody. And that can be you too. But part of what that takes is consistent, small steps of obedience to God wherever you're at wherever he has you. Consistent small steps of obedience lead to God doing extraordinary things. It takes living on mission for God wherever he's placed you. Whatever your job is, whoever's around you, wherever you you live, whoever the neighbors that God has placed around you, whoever the people who are who are in your family, in your proximity, just being on mission, seeking first the kingdom of God. Pastor Keller talked about The credibility of consistency is so important in living a gospel life. And so your faithfulness is part of that witness as you have opportunity to share the gospel. The next theme that I I would share with you out of my life that I think is relevant to us as we think about what it looks like to be living out as witness of the gospel where God has us in in the communities, in the spheres of influence, The theme that I would tell you is that living for God does not shield you or protect you from pain. 
Sometimes that's what we want from God out of it. Sometimes that's what we expect from Him out of it. But I can tell you, and I've just shared a couple of those examples, and there are many more, quite frankly, of the fact that like life is hard. It's difficult. Bad things will happen, and they will happen to you, even if you're choosing the right thing. And although pain is universal, God is still good. Whether it be divorce, whether it be abuse, whether it be as tragic as murder or death, in particular untimely death, whatever the pain that you might experience, God is still good. And I can tell you, I can bear witness in my life, I can't tell you about your life, but I I can share with you that in my life, that God has consistently met me in the storm. My wife, if she was able to be here, she had to serve at our church today, but, but if she was able to be here, she would tell you that, that in the troubles of life that God has met her and that God has met our family. By God's grace, I can tell you that my daughter who experienced something horrific as a child is married and her and her husband are like contract or buying their first home this week and her and her husband are both serving in different roles in our community. That God is faithful to even redeem the most evil that's perpetrated against us. And I can also tell you that although life is hard, it's difficult, that there's a God of all comforts, and he will comfort you in your trials. And then after he does that, he can use that to comfort others. The other thing I would tell you in that is, or the last theme that I would tell you in my life is, is this, is that don't believe the lie that it's too late in your story to be a witness for God. Now, by God's grace, my story is that God met me and opened my eyes to the gospel very early on in life and that, that that's been impacting my life for a period of time. But, but it's also true of my story that there's been opportunities along the way to get off path. There's quite a number of like key crossroads in my life where I could have wandered away from that and said, well, God, I've done good things for you, but now it's hard and I'm just going to go back to like receiving the benefit of being your child, but not live out the witness of being your child. And there may be some of you here today who have done some things for God in the past, and now you're just coasting. And it's not too late to get back out there and do more. There may be some of you who are just stuck in the rut of life because sometimes big visions never manifest. Sometimes we just get stuck living life and and going along. There may be some of you who feel beaten down, who feel hurt by the things that have happened around you or to you, or maybe even feel beaten down by the things that you've done. And there may be some of you in the room who are just exploring for the first time what it even would mean to follow God. And you're just considering, I've lived all this life so far and I haven't really had a relationship with Jesus, but I'm here, I'm paying attention, and I'm considering what that might look like. I don't know where you're at today. There are only a few of you in the room that I've had the privilege of meeting to this point. But I'll tell you that it doesn't matter what's behind you, it's never too late to start being a witness for the gospel. I shared with you that I just turned 50. I just turned 50 a few weeks ago, last month. 
And I, I don't think I'm old yet, but 50 does hit a little different, if I'm honest. Like, just, it sounds old. And so I've been thinking a lot about, like, where my life has taken me and what God has done and, and all of those things and considering that. And I was having dinner with my family on, uh, on my birthday, and they shared some wonderful things. I didn't know who they were talking about because it certainly couldn't have been about me. But um, after they shared, I just told them, like, I feel like I'm, like, the most blessed of people and that I've lived the best life possible. And even if it ended now, like, I, I'd have no regrets, and I'm so thankful. And yet, like, even after I said that, I did feel a little bit guilty. Not, not guilt that, like, lasted long, but it just, like, a, a bit, a tinge of conviction that reminded me, like, don't get comfortable. Don't, don't think that because you've come this far and you've done these things that you're done. Keep going. Keep being a witness. Don't rest on yesterday's laurels. So I want to encourage you today. No matter where you're at in your journey, no matter where you're at in terms of your own personal relationship with God, that you have opportunity from this day going forward to be a witness, to be an alternative witness to what it can look like to live out kingdom values in the world around you. There's only one life. It will soon be passed. And only what's done for Christ will last. Thank you very much for your time.